All right, this is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Nam. And this is Jamal Dejani. And uh, again today, what we're doing is we're speaking with Jamal live from some undisclosed location in the Greek Isles. We won't disclose his actual location, but... Uh, through the wonders of technology and Skype, we're able to have Jamal join us on another uh, episode of Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. Well, Jamal, I know that you're in Europe, but actually a lot, as usual, is, is happening here while you're away. I think the big news that we want to talk about today is the uh, unfolding and completely ongoing, disgusting evolution of the next generation of the Trump Republican racist narrative. As you know, he has been uh, uh, speaking about the four freshman congresswomen of color, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, and Ayanna Presley, and basically um, has been spewing lots of narratives. But the most recent one that has been catching fire is the one that these women, if they don't like America, they can just go back to where they came from. Now, we know, we know that that's a, that's a fundamentally old racist uh, trope that has been used to tag and identify lots of different uh, communities historically here in the United States and Europe. But I will tell you, Jamal, the most interesting thing from my standpoint is how much it's catching on, both in terms of its criticism but also in terms of the support that Trump continues to get from the Republican Party. I wonder how the European press has taken to this so far. Well, the Trump roadshow made its way all over the media here. So this is probably headline news. I've been monitoring different outlets from the BBC, the local, uh, of course, uh, press right here in Greece, France, uh, other outlets to see how is this being uh, covered. And I have to say it is a wall-to-wall coverage. Oh, really? And you can't open, yeah, you can't open an outlet, look at an outlet or open a newspaper without seeing Trump said this and Trump said that. And of course, it's all, uh, you know, reflecting on, on the recent uh, racist attack and then and then of course today i mean there is the time zone i the difference that between us and washington seven hours and san francisco 10 hours but then you know first thing i i uh, read today was and then i watched it and thank god for the internet i watched it online to see what's going on with uh, trump's uh, trip to north carolina carolina and that clip when uh, the crowd, after you know, he started, uh, you know, talking about Ilhan Omar, and the, the the crowd went all in unison, singing "Send Her Back." Send her back. I th- yeah, I think I've seen this a hundred times already. Yeah, you know, from different different angles, different you know. So this is the discussion. So it is as big of a story as it is in in the United States. But how is the response? But how is the response, though? I'm curious about the European response because I have to tell you, in the United States, there is still. I mean, when you hear what people like Lindsey Graham and Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell and the bulk of the Republican leadership have been saying, they have not condemned these statements that Trump has been saying. They have been full-throated support uh, of these statements. So we have talked about in Europe how there is... Well, well the, I mean, the mayor of, the of uh, London condemned Trump. That's, uh, this has been headline news. Right. But what, yeah, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But what about the rest of Europe? Has there been any split, um, how shall I say, split opinion about this? Well, I, I mean... The way it was, it has been covered. It's kind of like here's another thing of Trump's theatrics, uh, Trump's uh, persona and remarks, anti-immigrant remarks, uh, calling countries, you know what, from Africa and so forth. 
uh, they've been covered before. So I would say there is a kind of, it, it's not, I wouldn't say uh, it, it has been covered like, like people are shocked or something like this. It's just like, oh, here is something new from this crazy president of the United States. And the newest thing is this. I, you know, depends who you talk to, but I don't think, I mean, even though there is a wave of conservatism and so forth going on in Europe, but I don't think you see many supporters to what he has been doing, because remember, Trump himself has uh, insulted Europeans. He has insulted the prime minister of England. He has insulted the president of France. He, you know, so he's not loved. You know, right. people actually are surprised because they, you know, I, I think he's, they just don't expect it on this level uh, from a president of the United States to to kind of stoop that low to to say the things that he, that he has been saying. And of course, there are other stories that have been covered, his scandal, his scandals with uh, the accusers some of the accusers who have accused him of grabbing them or raping them and so forth. Those are also big news here. Right. So he, his, he, he has hit not only the news, but he has hit the gossip magazines big time. Right. So I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the actual statements, and then I want to talk about the political aspect and the political strategy and the political implications of it for this country, for the United States. Now... I could tell you that I I've heard that comment. I mean, I wish I had a if I had a nickel for every time someone said that to me here in the United States. And granted, I, I was born in a foreign tor- territory called Detroit, Michigan. Some people <laughs> some people consider Detroit uh, occupied Detroit and foreign territory. But you know this this thing go back to your country, go back to where you belong is a classic, classic racist rant that has been used, you know, and continues to be used uh, for centuries now in, in the United States, ever since the United States, you know, uh, had its independence. That There's a long history of this, of this statement and this trope. The interesting thing is that it does seem, if you look at what has happened, that a line has been crossed. Yes, people say this kind of thing. But the president of the United States, irrespective of how disturbed he may be, when he gets on his bully pulpit and says this to four women of color and gives license to be able to tell these four American citizens, four duly elected members of the Congress, the People's House, that they can leave just because they're critical of U.S. policy, but they can leave and go back to their country, in many, many uh, ways has crossed a fundamental line that I think Trump hasn't even ever crossed before. This is a new new level of encroachment on the civility of space in the United States where people of any uh, background should be allowed, according to the First Amendment, criticize and say whatever they wish. But it seems like brown women who are elected to the Congress, Jamal, are being held to a different standard. Well, he's been pushing the envelope, Jess, yeah. right, and testing the ground. Not a single Republican has condemned him except for uh, Jason Amash and I think somebody else. But Jason Amash, he's actually, an, he's an independent. He left, he left the Republican right. Party. But uh, what he said, I mean, it's very easy just to Google what he said. Go back to, you know, go back to where you came from. Go back to Africa. There is, uh, just put, uh, our listeners should just Google that. They'll see images uh, of uh, white supremacists in the 60s and in the 50s and so forth. That's right. Holding sign and, and probably KKK. Uh, you know, Klansmen and so, and so forth, holding signs. I posted a picture right on my page, on my Facebook page. Go back to Africa, Negroes. That's a sign that was held in the 60s, you know, in rallies in the face of our brothers and sisters in the African-American community. 
And so when he says this, and then you're talking about Ilhan Omar from Somalia, she's from Africa. Sister uh, Presley, she's African-American. Rashida Tlaib, she's a woman of color, Palestinian-American. Uh, AOC uh, from the Bronx, originally her family came from Puerto Rico, she's a Latina. The four of them, as you said, four female lawmakers, the four of them are persons of color. Uh, the four, you know, just like everyone else in the United States, everyone has roots somewhere else, but to target only them, it brings back memory to Klansmen, right. white supremacists of the 50s and 60s, that we thought after MLK and Malcolm X and the whole civil rights movement, they were part of the yesteryears and history where apparently they have not been. Well, and I've actually had a conversation today with a friend who is from the United States, who happens to be here from the East Coast, from uh, the New York area. And we were, he was talking, he was kind of like, you know, a little bit like, what's going on? I mean, it's kind of embarrassing to our image and so forth. And I said, I mean, I mean, this is the only conclusion. And we, you and I talked about this uh, multiple times. You know, the bigots are coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. And racism has not disappeared. It has been latent. This is it. That's the only explanation that I can have. It has, you know, everyone, so I mean, throughout the years, the Obama years, wherever, you'll always have racists. We've never seen them in, in this concentration. And racism has been latent. And it needed Donald Trump to unleash it. And he unleashed it. He unleashed it. Yeah, he unleashed it. You're exactly right. But in addition to unleashing it, he has um, codified it in a way, Jamal, to make it part of our everyday experience, giving um, permission to the previously latent and maybe not so latent but hidden racist in uh you know who are you know many in this country it gives them permission and license to come out of the closet to be bold about it to be free about it and to feel proud of their racist roots it creates an atmosphere jamal and this is exactly i mean i don't want to too quickly go to the political analysis but it's clear that the trump strategy right now he's he needs a certain number of votes. He has 37% of the United States votes, solid, 37, 38, 39. And he can't exactly win even in the electoral uh, community, in the electoral college that way. He needs a few more percentage points. His bet, Jamal, is that there are a lot more people who believe what he believes and he's looking for those votes. And you and I have said this before. When people say, this is not the United States, we have to give them the painful answer, yes, it is. This is the United States. To say that this doesn't represent the United States or even doesn't represent a large majority of people in the United States, we have to come now to the painful reality and conclusion is that, yes, it does. 37 to 39% of Americans not only support Trump, but they are... The ones yelling yesterday, Jamal, send her home, send her home, speaking about uh, an American citizen who has the First Amendment right, as well as her constitutional right, Ilhan Omar, as a lawmaker, as a congresswoman, to speak about what her constituency, you know, is concerned about, health care, foreign policy, things like that. And yet, she is told to go home. So I have a question for you, Jamal. How many times have you heard someone say to a white person, go back to your country? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean do it's you ever usually hear that? targets immigrants and people no. of color. Yeah, full stop. I mean, this is, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, we don't have to read between the lines. There's no line and to read between. There is no reading, and he has targeted, like I said, four. Uh, congresswomen, they're all, uh, you know, people of color. 
and and of course he's focusing on Ilhan Omar because she's the only one who was born outside the United States, even though she came here when she was 12 years old. But he has been focusing on her. He has been making up stories. There is a whole fact check thing, right? Just about you know from like she she's fond of Al Qaeda. He says things like this, right. which is total nonsense. She she's never. She's actually very critical of terrorism, you know, and but uh, and then, so he says things like this, and people believe him. He distorts the fact. There's a whole on ter- on on terrorism, and and I, I'm looking at my list uh, that I've kind of checked on terrorism. What Trump said, the representative Omar blamed the United States for the terrorist attacks uh, on our country. She has never said this. Never. Ever. Never. You know. So he takes her words out of context, and then he just like throws that out there, and everybody now is saying that she's ISIS, she's Al Qaeda, which basically telling people to assassinate her. I have to exactly. say this: when you are fanning the flames and and you're making such enormous accusations, you're putting her life. He's putting the life of a congresswoman elected by the people. You know, all four of them. Then he also distorts the fact he talks about her marriage. And, like, he's the last person should be talking about people's marriage. <laughs> so he, you know, and you know that. And, we don't, and I don't like to even get there and stoop to his level. So he said that she married, uh, she's married to her brother, which is, we know this was a rumor made by a uh, white supremacist and so forth. And so... He the same people who like, did the birther movement. There is a story about this, but then he again tries to kind of fan the flame of that uh, accusation and that uh, that right. rumor. Uh, you know, uh, another 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 fact checker. Trump said that she sm- she smeared you as service members in- involved in Black Hawk Down. She never said that. You know. So he was referring to a tweet from 2017 that resurfaced for Omar. The tweet is Omar's response to a person who, in light of a bomb attack that killed more than 230 people in Somalia, argued that the worst terrorist attack in the country was when 19 Americans died in combat during the 90s. You know, so he twists that whole story and says what he says. He also says that she's full of praise to the ISIS, the Islamic State, you know. She pleaded, this is what Trump said, I mean, I'm, I'm not making this up, people should actually look this up. She pleaded for compassion for ISIS recruits attempting to join uh, the terrorist organization. That's something that he said. So he again leaves it out of context, in which she was referring to a letter Omar sent to a Minnesota judge in 2016 pleading that he take a restorative approach to justice when sentencing six young men who were charged with plans to join ISIS. The judge sentenced the men to more than 30 years in prison. On Venezuela, I mean, I can go on and on about the things that she says and then, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, he has basically, I mean, he has targeted to me, number one, I feel he's threatened. He's threatened by by outspoken women, and the four representatives are outspoken. But I feel he's targeting and focusing on Ilhan Omar because he feels she is the weakest out of the four because she was not born in this country. She's a naturalized citizen. Therefore, he can up the ante. Sure. She's also a Muslim woman who wears the hijab, so she's obviously on camera, everyone looks at her, she doesn't have to talk about her identity, she's black, so people see the racist, they see a black woman, outspoken woman, wearing a hijab, meaning she's a Muslim, and and they they focus on her, so he's playing that. Then after that, of course, he, he hates AOC because she called him on many things, and she's from New York. She's from the Bronx. This is where he, his father was born. He forgets his roots. Right. Now, I think that analysis is correct, Jamal, but I want to add another point, that both Donald Trump 
Lindsey Graham, and I think um, Mitch McConnell said. So this is going to get into the analysis and to another deeper kind of clinical and uh, uh, a political analysis, which is Donald Trump says not only uh, are he he turned the tables right he's because they 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 said he, you know what he said was racist. So what Donald Trump says, no, they're racist against me. They're racist against America for criticizing. And then this is my favorite. Then Donald Trump says, not only do they hate America, they hate Israel. So that that connection, Jamal, they hate how, America. And, how, ma- and they, how many times did he say that in one sentence? Right. So they hate America and they hate Israel. Lindsey Graham was foaming at the mouth on an interview with Fox News saying, these they hate Israel. So what we're seeing, Jamal, is kind of a is kind of a coming together of the racist, divisive, um, you know, kind of leaning toward the white nationalist, fascistic, uh, you know, direction that Trump wants to take the Republican Party with the policies of the state of Israel, and. You know, they think that this is a positive political statement. They hate Israel just like they hate the United States. When in fact, I think Trump and Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell are pointing to a very painful truth about, you know, Israeli apartheid policies. But I think that's another element because they're always saying that now. Well, they hate Israel. They hate Israel. And, you know, that conflation, Jamal, between having critical analysis of U.S. foreign policy on the question of Palestine being equated with, quote, hating Israel. So we see that narrative coming out, being thrown at, uh, especially Ilhan. So I'll get back to the hate Israel part, but let's uh, remind our listeners uh, of what Lindsey Graham has said about Donald Trump. That, that's a good place he to He said, Donald Trump is a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. Look it up, folks. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, during the just campaign, put that. During the campaign. This, this is what the hypocrite Senator Lindsey Graham said before, and now his best buddies. Uh, I repeat that. And he was right. I mean, he was right because maybe he actually read the, in the tea leaves of what's going to happen with uh, when if Donald Trump got uh, got elected, he said Donald Trump is a race baiting xenophobic religious bigot. Now he's defending his bigotry. He's saying that no, 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 this is not religious. When he's saying you know they can go back to their country and they hate Israel. That's the hate Israel part. We know why because we know Lindsey Graham is one of the biggest recipients of foreign aid. I mean of aid from APAC supporters. Yeah, and it, he has made tons of trips, and his buddies with Benjamin Netanyahu. But what I'm saying is, okay, fine, he can throw this. These four uh, congresswomen, they can say anything. They can criticize the United States. They can criticize our greatest allies in Europe. They can say anything, but God forbid they say the, anything about Israel. What does this have to do with our conversation. What does it have to do, whether they support or not support Israel, has to do with the what's happening in the United States. That's exactly right. And to just to kind of throw that in, I mean, we're talking about racism, we're talking about the rise of white supremacy, we're talking about people who are chanting, the Jews are going to replace us, and Donald Trump, like, pretends nothing has been said. They're good people. All these, yeah. they're good people, whatever. And now all of a sudden say, oh, these guys hate Israel, you know. And and it's it just, don't they look at themselves in the mirror? And aside, aside, I said, aside from the thing, maybe Lindsey Graham, you know, ha- has a short-term memory. He should remember his own words. But, as I said, and I'll call that, it's total hypocrisy that... He has done a 180 now, and he has become a defender. And we've seen this from the Republican Party. We've seen it. Maybe they get some, some uh, you know, a spine after they leave. 
like with Ryan, he, he remained very silent. He was, remember, uh, right. uh, um, Representative Ryan, and he uh, was critical of Donald Trump, then he became best buddy, and now he left, and now he's now saying all kinds of things criticizing him. And then, of course, Donald Trump said this guy was an idiot, basically. So you're listening to uh, KPOO in San Francisco. We're at 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal on KPOO. And we're speaking with Jamal live from somewhere in the Aegean, somewhere in the Greek Isles at an undisclosed location. We're doing that to protect his, uh, out of, you know, security concerns, obviously, Jamal. We, we're worried about you. But the... the, the uh, the other issue, you know, because they think, Jamal, that this is a political calculation to garner support of APAC supporters by talking about how these women hate Israel. But really what they're doing, Jamal, is drawing a direct linkage between racist, xenophobic, apartheid, right-wing, white supremacy ideology here in the United States and the foundational elements of the Israeli government and how they are inextricably linked. I mean, it's kind of obvious that they're drawing a line in the sand now um, in terms of upcoming elections. And, and uh, you know, what I found interesting, Jamal, is Ilhan Omar, she's one tough person. Do you know what she did today? She introduced, well, I know she's... She introduced a bill today um, reaffirming that it's okay to use the BDS uh, as an as a technique to voice criticism of Israel. So well, it is. Well, the First we, Amendment, you know. Of course, but it's not just First Amendment. I mean, of course it is, and of course it's okay to criticize Israel, and of course it's okay to use BDS. But I think what Ilhan Omar is doing, Jamal, is basically saying. You know, she's going toe-to-toe with a bully. So when you find a bully on the playground, if you don't stand up to that bully, then that's bad news for you. So one day after Ilhan Omar is told by Donald Trump to go back to where she came and how she hates Israel, she reintroduces a bill into the Congress basically saying it is within our First Amendment right to not only criticize Israel, but to use appropriate nonviolent techniques to draw attention to Israel's policies against Palestinians and Palestine. So I felt and that... Not just, and not just Israel, but any country that violates human rights exactly. around the world, we have the right to boycott them. Full you stop. can't take this away from citizens of this country. But here is something she actually tweeted also today, Quoting from Maya Angelou, yeah, and she put her this tweet, and uh, she said, "You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise." And this is the words of Maya Angelou, and uh, Ilhan Omar tweeted this today. Uh, it's uh, it's beautiful, it's strong, and it's totally appropriate. So. But I have some bad news for you, Jamal. What is it? Unfortunately, one of my predictions for 2019, as you know, is that I still think that there's the real possibility that Donald Trump could be reelected for another four years. And in spite of all of this racist, hate, divisive, you know, dividing this country and supporting white supremacy just like to the foot to the max make america white again maga he has increased i think his chances of reelection and we have to face the very painful reality that this is exactly what part of this country is about this is going to make it easier for people actually and i i know this sounds w- weird this is going to ma- actually make it easier for certain people to vote for Donald Trump now? Well, I mean, maybe. Obviously, he's playing to his base. And beyond. Uh, his, and beyond. He's also confusing people. You know, one day he'll come... You know, I was, like, again, reading today in the, in the New York Times. 
you know, after the morning, after a chance, send her back. And of course, he remained silent, let the crowd keep chanting. Today, he said, I wasn't happy with it. I disagreed with it. Of course, he didn't. <laughs> he told reporters during a photo session in the Oval Office this morning. So his uh, disavowal of the chance came after, uh, you know, some uh, Republicans uh, said something, criticized it, but, but sought to put distance between the president and the racist chance. Uh, you know, like, for example, this is what uh, Kevin McCarthy, he's the House Republican leader, said, uh, told reporters, those chants have no place in our party or our country. Yeah, but Jamal, listen, they don't criticize Trump. They're criticizing Trump supporters who are yelling these things. Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, the whole bunch of them, are. if there's something more spineless than being called spineless, that's where they're at right now. They are refusing to speak to the absolute antithesis of what the Constitution, what protection of minority rights is about, our ability to speak, our ability to criticize. That's the whole point of the way our constitutional democracy was formed in the first place. But I guess if you're a woman, Jamal, and you happen to be a woman of color and you have to be happen to be African or African-American or Latina or Palestinian, and you're elected to Congress, that boys club, I guess, is not ready for you quite yet. Yeah, it's, uh, it's again, uh, you know, those chants, a reminder of lock her up, you know, when this was one of uh, Trump's favorites in two, yeah, lock 2016. Yeah, send her, send her back, send her home. Lock, it's the same. And I think you said, I think you said something very important because you're, uh, maybe you have your intuition, I hate to say, might be correct. And I actually dread it might be. Uh, correct that he'll be he'll get re-elected. I believe all these politicians, especially the Republicans, who are, in my opinion, a bunch of cowards and hypocrites, they are afraid of Donald Trump. They are so afraid of him that they feel like, oh, you know, he's going to get re-elected, and he's very vengeful, as we all have seen. Right. That they remain silent, and some of them, some of them actually think the same way that he thinks. But others, they might be ha- decent people, or it's right. against their grain, this racism part. But they remain silent because they don't want to say anything. They don't want to get their heads chopped off, basically, politically right. speaking, by him. So, by the way, Jamal, Lindsey Graham is up for re-election, another election, 2020, at the same time that Donald Trump will be running again. Uh, so is Kevin McCarthy. Uh, so is Mitch McConnell. So, um, you know, but as I said before, Jamal, when you don't stand up to a bully, the bully gets much worse. So I believe that we're headed for a a deeply problematic next couple of months. I have to tell you that I legitimately worry for the safety of those four congresswomen. I worry about AOC. I worry about Ilhan Omar. Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib. I worry about their safety because this is the kind of messaging coming from the president that seeps into the minds of white supremacists that may give them license to do harm. And I'm, I'm very worried for their safety. And we've seen examples of this. This is not, uh, you know, I mean, something new with the, uh, you know, the a guy that they arrested in Florida right. and all the threats and you know all what it all that it all it needs is one cook you I don't think, need too many of them right hey jamal i wanted not that i want to go away from this but you know we're into the second part of the show and there's a local story for you that i'd like you to comment on and it happened in crete yesterday 12 israeli uh Cyprus, uh, Jess. Oh, Cyprus? It wasn't Crete, it was Cyprus. Okay. In Cyprus, 12 Israeli boys, young men, were arrested for raping, uh, I think, an 18-year-old British national on the island of uh, Cyprus. They got arrested. It's kind of big news. 
it didn't make a lot of the the headlines here in the states. I wonder if you have any more insight into that story. Well, definitely, it is a shocking news because uh, Cyprus is next door. It's a small neighborhood here. It's just uh, Cyprus is so close to Greece, and uh, this is. Uh, um, 12 uh, Israelis who are now in custody uh, on suspicion of alleged, I use the word alleged for now, uh, rape of a 19-year-old uh, British tourist. Three of them has have confessed to having sex with her, but they said it's consensual. But And then, of course, she was saying that she was held down by, by a bunch of them. And... Uh, the police uh, this morning, along with the medical examiner, said that they found bruises and scratches on them on the woman to kind of support her story. Israel flew lawyers into the small island of Cyprus, and uh, their foreign, uh, you know, uh, ministry is involved, and so they're under investigation. But definitely, it's a big story around here. And there are similar stories in a way that, uh, you know, um, I've spoken to people where they've had issues with Israeli tourists from attacking people to not paying their bills to, uh, you know, wrecking rooms in, in hotels. And these guys, uh, they're all kind of like the age before they go into the army. So it's kind of like, they they go. Uh, there are the two, you know. They're just going on a rampage or whatever. And we've seen incidents like this, and we've seen incidents after they get discharged. Right. Uh, so it's so so people have been talking about this because there were several uh, incidents, not as big as this story, where now uh, you have a basically a young uh, girl who has who who was gang raped, basically. Uh, and it's making a lot of noise around here. Okay, and um, uh, we, we'll probably follow up with that story because, again, it's not making much, if any, headlines here in the States. Um, maybe we could just, for a minute, uh, we spoke a little bit last week about Jeffrey Epstein. We have some news about Jeffrey Epstein. His lawyers today... In a, in a court in New York, attempted to convince the judge to release Jeffrey Epstein on uh, home, you know, released on bail on home custody, that, that uh, mm. he, could, uh, he could be trusted to be left at home. He was not a flight risk. And um, despite the fact that he had an Austrian passport, which listed his residence as being Saudi Arabia, and a fake, you know, and all these other fake details. And oh boy, I didn't know that Epstein was so odd. Just you know, this is news to me. I know it's. I <laughs> I I, I kind of missed that part that Epstein is a Saudi, um, but the judge <laughs> decided instead to deny Jeffrey Epstein bail. He is continuing to be uh, in remanded into custody until his trial, which could be months from now. But I wanted to draw your attention to how Jeffrey Epstein got his start as a money manager was by ma managing the funds of Les Wexner, who is actually the head of L Brands. And they're a big mega corporation that handles things like Victoria's Secrets and other things. If you do just a little digging, Jamal, and I'm, I'm not talking about a lot of research, but Les Wexner turns out to be one of the biggest supporters of settlements, um, has supported settlements, is a good friend of Benjamin Netanyahu, as well as Ehud Barak. And the news that's been kind of circulating is that once the judge releases the documents from the 2009 trial of Jeffrey Epstein, when he got 13 months of basically, you know, mild incarceration at best, where he was allowed to leave every day, that some big name politicians uh, are going to be named in that uh, document that it was sealed. But I do think it's kind of interesting that Jeffrey Epstein got his start and his introduction 
to money management uh, and his extreme wealth through his decades-long association with Les Wexner, a devoted, devoted, devoted and devout and committed person to illegal uh, settlements in the West Bank. Well, I mean, it makes uh, a lot of sense because we're seeing this kind of circle coming, you know, I mean, I think it's kind of coming apart now, seeing the connection between uh, Trump's men who are handling the Middle East, they all have connections to the settlements. Yes. From the U.S. ambassador uh, in Israel to uh, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, uh, the relationship goes back to his father, to uh, his envoy. His envoy is also connected to this. Both, of course, of them were uh, former Trump lawyers. But talking about his connection also to Je to Epstein, if you remember, uh, just a few days ago when, uh, you know, uh, Epstein came back into into the news, Trump said that he wasn't a big fan of the accused sex trafficker uh, Epstein. This was on record just a few days ago. Right. So guess what? A video now, right. <laughs> uh, I've been looking at it, uh, has surfaced showing Trump and Jeffrey Epstein laughing and discussing women's looks at the 1992 Mar-a-Lago party. Right. I saw that so video. So we're going way back, you know, like again, he said that he wasn't his, he wasn't a big fan. He's seen chatting and laughing with him in 1992 at the Mar-a-Lago Resort. Uh, this is a, a footage that was recently uncovered by NBC Archives just yesterday. I was watching it on the internet. What's your the impression? Tape, What's your impression after watching it? Well, I mean, it's there. It's it kind of reminded me of the grab them by the, whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, like you know, Trump, and then this thing surfaces as another thing. They're chatting. They're best best buddies. Just two days ago, he said he wasn't a big fan of him. So they're like big buddies in 1992 partying. The tape appears to show Trump and Epstein discussing women's appearances at the party. Uh, you know, in Mar-a-Lago, which, by the way, Donald Trump now calls his winter White House, if you yes. remember. So that's the party. The footage was shot for a piece of Trump's newly divorced lifestyle on Faith's Daniel's talk show, A Closer Look. In the video, Trump is seen dancing closely with women, many of whom were cheerleaders of the Buffalo Bills. I didn't know the Buffalo Bills had cheerleaders, but uh, it's kind of cold in well, Buffalo, but okay. And, and he's uh, also seen in the video pointing to the direction of women dancing and telling Epstein she's hot. Okay. This is, like I said, like the old, so, so you know, just two days ago, he said, I don't know this guy, well, he didn't say that, but he said he wasn't a big fan of him. Right. Now, all of a sudden, they were best buddies in 1992, they're partying together, and they're having, you know, this whole thing. Well, about I, th I, I think a couple of things are going to happen in the next few weeks, Jamal, if these sealed records are... Well, here, here's, here's another thing. I just wanted to add this oh, okay. because I like when you dig further. This is the nice thing about research, which Trump seems to forget that you can research things. <laughs> you know, he says something and then he changes his story and thinks everyone is an idiot around him. So another thing, 2002, again, I'm talking about his hypocrisy. He's on, in an interview in New York Magazine talking about Jeffrey Epstein, and he said, I've known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy. He's a lot of fun to be with. It's even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. Uh-oh. Am I making this up? No. no. Uh, just research it. Use, use 2002 Trump, Jeffrey Epstein. You'll find that in an interview uh, in New York Magazine. Well, now, that seems pretty, pretty uh, clear, actually. So, so now we have the video of the 1992 part in Mar-a-Lago. Two days or a few days ago, Trump says he's not a big fan of him, kind of distance himself from him. This is very typical. You see, this is, again, very typical with Donald Trump. 
you can find all kinds of things with him, all his kind of uh, dubious, uh, uh, you know, friends. And when something happens to any of his friends, he'll throw them under the bus. Yeah. They should remember that. That's why Lindsey Graham should remember this. Eventually, Lindsey, Lindsey he's going to get Lindsey thrown Graham, under the bus. You know, Donald Trump is going to chew him and spit him out. That's right. You, you mark my words. Well, keep keeping in line with the Epstein story, Jamal. It looks like some of these documents are going to get released. They were, you know, Dershowitz wants these documents sealed. Uh, oh yeah, just to say, I'm telling you. Sometimes I I look at these things and I think we we are watching a soap opera. No, this and Dershowitz is... goes on on in an interview and said, "Yeah, I was in Epstein's home." I got a massage, I have to admit. I kept my clothes on. I, I kept my clothes on. No, no, I stayed in my underwear. <laughs> and the person who gave me a massage wasn't a minor, wasn't... Uh, and basically, I don't like massages, but I, I had he, one anyways. How did, how, did, how did Dershowitz know she wasn't a minor? Did he check her ID? I, I'm not well, sure. He has been, as you know, accused of by a... Someone that he uh, was passed, she was passed to him by right. Epstein when she was 16 years old. Right. Well, so I think there's... We, we're, you're scratching the tip of the iceberg. Right, right. And I think Alan Dershowitz, uh, Les Wexner, Ehud Barak, uh, ex-Prime uh, Minister of uh, Israel. There's a lot of very nervous people right now, Jamal, if these, if these records get released. I want to just, uh, we have time for one more quick uh, discussion. One of your, one of the people that you have the greatest respect for gave a very interesting interview yesterday, Mr. Jason Greenblatt, uh, who's working closely with uh, Jared Kushner. He was pressed on, a, uh, on an interview to kind of discuss the Bahrain uh, meeting and um, kind of more details of the deal of the century. Couple of things I want to draw your attention to, Jamal. When the interviewer asked him why basically he kept referring to neighborhoods instead of settlements, uh, he said he believed that the word settlements or occupied territory wasn't helpful and that he prefers the term disputed neighborhoods. And rather than the, rather than the West Bank, Mr. Greenblatt prefers the terms Judea and Samaria. So it seems mm -hmm. like Mr. Greenblatt Jamal is really, you know, epitomizes, if you will, the the ability of what we what the United States likes to call the honest, fair broker. Now Greenblatt did actually admit to the fact that no Palestinians of any, you know, standing came to Bahrain, he found that disappointing, but he said the 60-page document um, mm -hmm. would be forthcoming depending on the, you know, direction of the Israeli snap elections that are going to happen sometime in the fall. And lastly, uh, I'd like to tell you that uh, the interviewer asked Mr. Greenblatt a very good question, Jamal. She asked, well, what rights do the Palestinians have? Are they entitled to the same rights as uh, Israelis or anybody else? He refused to answer the question. He said, well, I don't like to divulge information before the 60-page document comes out, but uh, we shall see, something like that. He didn't even bring himself to lie about uh, you know, the idea that somehow Palestinians have rights too. He refused he refused to answer the question. So it gives you kind of an idea what's in the deal of the century that's going to be released. Well, uh, let me guess uh, where uh, he got his talking points from uh, about <laughs> the settlements and neighborhoods. And this uh, terminology was created. It's not too new, Jess, where the Israelis try to confuse the word about the colonial, illegal colonial settlements and call uh, by calling them neighborhoods and trying to force, they started this campaign trying to force uh, reporters of the New York Times and the Washington Post, wherever, to change 
the use of uh, settlements into neighborhoods. That this goes way back to the time of Itzhak Shamir, right. the former uh, prime minister. Benjamin Netanyahu is a disciple of Itzhak Shamir, who basically he set up the whole concept of spending 10 years talking, talking about peace and making facts on the ground. This was his strategy. Right. Strategy is like, talk to the Palestinians, talk to the world, tell everyone that you want uh, peace, but then make facts on the ground, build more settlements, transfer the population, which is, as you know, a violation of the Fourth Geneva Convention to transfer a pop the populations. And he was doing it. So, so it's not something new that he is. But as a representative of the United States, he's using word for word the talking points of Yitzhak Shamir, now Benjamin Netanyahu. That's number one. Number two, you know, the conference, uh, the deal of the century or the beginning of that uh, deal of the century, the launch in Manama, Bahrain, right, uh, Manama in Arabic, the word Manama, this is why, why the, uh, the, name, the city was named Al-Manama, which means the resting place where people sleep over. And this is where this deal, the deal, everybody is just going to sleep over it and exactly. nothing is going to happen. Exactly. And they tried to spin it that it was a success or semi-successful. It's all nonsense. It just, just was a waste of time, a bunch of hot air. They got a couple of stooges to sing and dance to their tunes. Not a single Palestinian supports it. No one respects it. Even, even the people who attended it, they don't believe their own words. So he should find another audience to tell his, uh, you know, baloney story about this whole concept. It was a total... Failure. This should go down as one of Donald Trump slash Kushner's biggest foreign policy failures of the century. Well, that's that's quite a statement, Jamal, because there's a lot of them, including and we didn't have time to talk about this today, including what's happening with Turkey that's deciding to lean into Russia away from the United States, getting out of the Iran deal and getting out of the Paris Climate Accord. But on that note, which are equal big catastrophic foreign policy failures. But on that note, we have to say goodbye again, Jamal. Um, you've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO in San Francisco at 89.5 FM. You can follow us at our website and podcast at arabtalkradio.com. And also follow us on Jamal's website at Jamal Dejani 2 where he posts all of these materials and his Twitter site, which you can read all of the material that we've been talking about today. Hey, Jamal, thanks a lot. I know it's late over there in your undisclosed location. It's not that undisclosed, but <laughs> we will talk next week right here on KPO San Francisco 89.5 FM. We'll see you next week. 